Okay, so instead of our normal intro, because the, the live intro worked terribly. <laughs> That's accurate. I'm joking. It was no, wonderful. You were wonderful. Less so for us. Um, I'm just going to do something that when Rodney was in youth group and a little pup and trying to figure out life and stuff, I would sing him a song. <laughs> and just to, just, yeah, and Miles knows, just to <laughs> let, let him know everything's okay. And uh, there's still, yeah, it's a little bit of PTSD here. <laughs> okay, we're going to hold him down here. And, uh, well, I don't have a, a beat, and this is my first time singing on stage, so I hope you enjoy. <laughs> you know what's happening. <laughs> <coughs> You're my honey bunch, sugar plum, pumpy umpy umpkin. You're my sweetie pie. You're my cupcake gumdrop, snookum nookum new york. The apple of my eye. Now everybody join in. <laughs> Do you know the song? And I love you so, and I want you to know that I'll always be right here. Because love to sing songs to you because you are so dear. Thank you, Rodney. <laughs> Do you want any last Thanks, comments? Rodney. Am I a brethren now? <laughs> You're a brethren now. <laughs> <laughs> Who wants to be a brethren? <laughs> Thanks, Rodney. Thank you, Rodney. That was great. Uh, so, we're Desire Brother Podcast, and we are, again, live from Bethel, uh, Brethren Heartland, and we are doing one called... Uh-oh. The episode title is, Is Jesus My Sugar... Or my honey bun, sugar plum, pumpy umpy umpkin, sweetie pie, cupcake, gumdrop, schnookum schnookum, apple of my eye? <laughs> that's the name of the thing. Yeah. So, apple, that's why we did it. Uh, uh. Yes. Jackson, what is the actual topic? About? Uh, um, well, it's... <laughs> do we ever know what our topics are? So we sang it in one of the songs. Thanks for picking that, Jared. But about this concept of Jesus being the apple of my eye, how we use... The, the, the theme that we'll go with right now is romantic language and God, and how that affects a lot of things. Um, so the topic will be how we use that language towards God. We're going to first off discuss how kind of weird and sometimes off-putting it can be when we refer to God as a lover. So we're just going to address that, and maybe you guys will address it along with it. Maybe you're completely fine with it, and this is just like nothing new to you, but we would like to do that. Then we'll talk about the theology behind it, how it's rooted in the Bible and throughout the tradition of the church, and then kind of evaluate whether we should be doing it or not. And or more or less. Or less, more okay. or less, right. Yeah. Um, but And before we continue with this, like, well, we heard some feedback from you guys, and we think that a Q&A at the end could be a good idea. So after the podcast is done, when we finish recording, think throughout this time. If you're like, I have a question on this point that they mentioned, write it down at the end. We'll hear your question, and then we'll try to address it. Is that fair? anything. Basically anything. Yeah? My voice is still high. Am I like the other guys? <laughs> that was my question. Every chapel growing up. <laughs> when am I going to go through puberty? <laughs> uh... Well, it was. <laughs> <laughs> it was very high. Thanks a lot, Dave. <laughs> Dave is like a fetus with a bass voice. Like <laughs> his mother's stomach would just rumble. <laughs> deep, deep bass. So yeah. whatever, Dave. Forget you. So <laughs> that song, by the way, that creepy song, 
Um, it's like a kid singing it, but it's like a love song. That was like the first thing I swear I found on the internet back in like the dial-up era when it was like you used to, you'd go to a web page and that would be the web page. would just be mm. that song playing over and over. Do you remember those web pages? It was just like basic, the video would play and that was it. And it would crash your system <laughs> and your house would black out from it. But I remember just watching it over and over and be like, this is what the internet is? <laughs> and it was a good initiation into the internet. Is what I yeah. A good welcome to it. <laughs> So I guess what, we're, yeah, what Jackson said, it's kind of, you do see it in the Bible sometimes, and it's weird, but you see it in prayers people will give, like, oh, Jesus, my lover. And you're like, what? Your lover? Or like, you know, uh, we'll have hymns or songs where it's like, I don't think you should talk about God that way. That's weird. Mm-hmm. Right? And so we, those exist, and we'll go into them. That There are even some songs you don't realize you're singing that, like, you're singing. So I'm just letting you know and going to take the cat out of the bag, might scar you, mm. and change the way you sing these songs forever. But this is a part of our tradition, this kind of overlap between the romantic and the spiritual, or, like, the sexual and the spiritual. There's some kind of, like, gray, fuzzy area that we don't want to be gray and fuzzy. Mm. And so we're discussing, yeah. Is Jesus my boyfriend? Is that cool to say? So we want to start off with a quiz that you guys are going to be a part of. Because there is one band above all else, can any of you guess it, that blurs that line (laughs) in a way that you're like, are you talking about what I think you're talking about? And you don't know. What's that band? (laughs) (laughs) What was that? Starbucks Patchy? That's the best answer ever. (laughs) Yes. She gets a calendar. Hey. That's for those of you who don't know. That's Jackson and Chris Lance's the pastor band. Yeah, and it's very. <laughs> we don't gotta get into it. It's fine. Uh, what what did Pete say? You too. You too oh, is nice. the band for Bono. Will intentionally write songs and he'll say things like "baby" or "love" or and you're like, oh, it's talking about a girl, but it's not. Or is it? So his wife is named Allie. So the name of the game show is, if you spell the name God backwards, it says Allie. <laughs> and it's, is go- so we want you guys to decide through your cheering when I suggest, was that song about God or was that song about Allie? Okay, so Allie Hewson, because Bono's last name is Hewson. He has a last name. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, his name's Paul. It's not Bono. Bono. Are you sh- Come on. <laughs> that was an it's, it's some hearing aid company <laughs> called Bono Vox, and he's like, I like Bono. So he took it. It's true. So Paul Houston and Allie Houston, and we're going to sing the, fir- the first one. Little clip of it is With or Without You. So we're getting into the old school Joshua tree. Hmm. Uh, just stay quiet, listen to the lyrics, and then you're going to decide at the end. And know that he's trying to mess with you, whether it's God or Allie. So go, John.
grace of just rocking it. <laughs> in the mic. Okay. So don't, if somebody who's like a pure U2 expert, maybe don't vote mm. or just don't be influenced by them. I want cheers if you think so. Thorn twist in your side, but then on a bed of nails, she makes me wait. Mm? Cheers for, is that song about God? Yeah. <laughs> is that song about Allie? And there's a couple of you guys who aren't sure. That song is about Allie. That is about his wife and the tension between stardom and wanting his own freedom and then yet also wanting this committed relationship so he can't live with or without her. Very beautiful, but he does confuse you with the thorn twist in your side, which is, sounds like Jesus. Next one uh, is, which one? You know, just play it. Until the end of the world. This one's a little hard to hear the words, so pay attention. Okay, you guys mostly got those lyrics? Okay, uh, God? <laughs> Allie. Come on, okay, you guys gotta vote. I want, <laughs> I'm gonna redo that and everyone has to vote because no, no sayers. God? Okay, then it's God. Allie. Still Allie. <laughs> Still Allie. <laughs> <laughs> that one is about God. And that song is from the perspective of Judas talking to Jesus. So he says, the last time we met, low-lit room, the last supper, we shared bread and wine. Mm -hmm. Everybody was having a good time, except Jesus was talking about the end of the world. So pretty deep, pretty deep. Okay, next one, uh, in a little while. Is this it? Yeah. <laughs> you want to turn it on? A little bit. Okay, so. Wow, that was amazing. Had it for Dave. <laughs> okay, so uh, he does say, I'll be home, love. But then at the same time, he talks about if I come crawling home, will you be there? What home is he talking about? Is that about God? Yeah. Is that about Allie? What do you guys all I know is it's great music. It's great music. <laughs> that one is about Allie. So nice work. But I will say when Joey Ramone of the Ramones was dying in 2001, he was playing that song all the time uh, at his deathbed and their friends, Bono and, and Joey Ramone. 
And people kind of wonder, was Joey Ramone kind of singing that as like, that was his song about heaven, that he was coming home. So maybe he interpreted that differently. So it's this kind of cool, like, wow, that song really influenced somebody. So there's a little tidbit there, but it is about Allie. Okay, last one. Here's your chance to redeem yourself. It is song for someone. Who is that someone? It's so mysterious, right? Who's that someone? Is that a song about God, face not spoiled by beauty, if there is a light, that kind of stuff? Or is it a song about you can see Mary Kumi exposed as white? Well, I don't know. God? <laughs> Allie. <laughs> I really Consensus on that one is this was after they wrote their big book, U2 by U2, so we can't just know. It seems like it is about Allie. So the one or two of you that were right, I know. But later in the song, he does say, and I'm a long, long way from your hill on Calvary, and I'm a long, long way from where I was and I want to be. So he is totally intentionally messing with you. Who got them all right? Put up your hand. Nobody gets a calendar. <laughs> no, that was good. So that's kind of the blurring, right, where you guys got stuff wrong because he's putting those together in a way that we usually don't. Or do we... What about modern songs we sing, like in chapel? I don't think we sang any of them this week so far. We, we sang one that, okay. you the apple of my eye. That right, but that one's not so much romantic. Sure. Hymns are a little bit not less much. that way. Do you have any that you can think of that are? Off the top of my head, there's like that Jesus lover of my soul. Jesus, I will never let you go. And then it's hard. Sometimes the lines get blurred with like, it seems, because in secular music, they do talk about like, it can seem that they worship the other person. That's kind of what you hear is when someone writes a love song, they actually are worshiping the other person. And that's what these are also trying to get across. And then there's this other one that was recently, I think it's more recent. I'm not super hip with all the new worship music. That's my bad. But it's, it's called, I think it's called, I'm a lover of your presence. I'm a lover of your presence. And then in the third verse, it says, because I was made for love. I was made for love. I was made for loving you. And that really makes it. What about, and this is the song that was always like spooky when you'd sing it in church because it was so awesome. Beautiful, scandalous night. Right? Come on. At the wonderful, tragic, mysterious tree on that beautiful, scandalous night, you and me <laughs> were atoned by his blood and forever washed white on that beautiful, scandalous night. That one is like, what are they talking about? Or... Uh, you are my desire, no one else will do, because nothing else could take your place to feel the warmth of your embrace. What about that? What about, 
Okay, this one. Okay, this one, I'm just going to be honest. Somebody who weren't a Christian, if they sang this, this is a bedroom song. So just so you know. In the secret, in the quiet place, in the stillness you are there, in the secret, in the quiet hour I wait only for you because I want to know you more. (laughs) I want to touch you. I want to see your face. I want to know you more. You guys have sang that all the time, right? That song, you know, you replace one word, and it's, you know, it's your wife or it's, your, it's Jesus, right? So those are the kind of things we're talking about, and this is not a new thing. This is, this, you go back into church history, this was popular. You know Song of Solomon in your Bible? Don't look it up. Don't look it up. You can't tell them that. <laughs> but it, it's, a, it's a book about a husband and wife celebrating each other and sexual love. For 1,600 years of the church, that, song, that book was about Jesus and the church. That was how they interpreted it. So these were like really steamy passages in Song of Solomon. They'd be like, oh, that's Jesus who, you know, wants to X, Y, Z and the church. And they just, that's how they took it. And we're like, whoa, you blurred that. And I don't like it. And so, well, you want to read your quote from, sure. well, I'll read mine first. Sure. This is a female nun mystic, so if you guys want to cover your ears if you're under 18, but she's talking about God, and I, I, I mean, I'm joking about this, but I'm not, right? I'm joking about it, but at the same time, I'm not dismissing this. This is a real thing. This is a real blurring that I think is important. So this is her describing her visions. I would see beside me on my left hand an angel in bodily form. He was not tall, but short and very beautiful. In his hands, I saw a long golden spear, and at the end of the iron tip, I see a point of fire. With this, he seemed to pierce my heart several times so that it penetrated to my entrails. When he drew it out, I thought he was drawing them out of it, drawing them out with it, and he left me completely afire with the great love for God. The pain was so sharp that it made me utter several moans. And so excessive was the sweetness caused me by the intense pain that no one can ever wish to lose it, nor will one's soul be content with anything less than God. What was yours? This, this one is from uh, Claire of Assisi. She's a contemporary of St. Francis of Assisi, like a bit of a mentor too. So she was a nun while he was a monk and really influenced him a lot. She, this is, she writes a letter to someone and then within the letter, it was really cool how they wrote them. She just kind of bursts into prayer. And so this is what her burst is. Draw me after you, heavenly spouse. We shall run in the fragrance of your perfumes. I shall run and not grow weary until you bring me into the wine cellar, until your left hand is under my head and your right arm blissfully embraces me, and you kiss me with the most blissful kiss of your mouth. Yeah. And then, okay, so that's, okay, well, that's, that's modern worship hymns and that's church history. That's the Bible. So now we're going to get into some Bible passages that kind of talk this way. I have a few. If you guys want, Tanner, you want to do Jeremiah 2? Yes. And Dave, do. Dave, do you want to do? Swords I, up. Swords up. Yeah, crap, that's fine. It's fine, Tanner. No. If, <laughs> if Dave, you do 2 Corinthians Where is it? 11, okay? This Bible's too small. Okay. And I'll do uh, Hosea 2. Jeremiah 2 what? Jeremiah 2, go 1 to 3. So read that, then we'll do briefly from chapter 3 as well. The word of the Lord came to me. Go and proclaim in the hearing of Jerusalem. I remember the devotion of your youth. How as a bride you loved me 
and followed me through the desert, through a land not sown. Israel, it's kind of like, you know, a young couple who's like, you went, I had that dingy apartment, but you didn't care. You just wanted to be with me, right? Like back when we were just young and in love. So, and followed me through the desert, through a land not sown. Israel was holy to the Lord, the first fruits of his harvest. All who devoured her were held guilty and disaster overtook them. And then what am I supposed to do? Go with uh, Jeremiah 3, 11 to 14. Then the Lord said to me, faithless Israel is more righteous than unfaithful Judah. Go proclaim this message toward the north. Return, faithless Israel, declares the Lord. Oh, okay. Uh, I will frown on you no longer, for I am merciful. I will not be angry forever. Only acknowledge your guilt. You have rebelled against the Lord your God. You have scattered your favors to foreign gods under every spreading tree and have not obeyed me. And in verse 14, did you get 14? Uh, return, return, faithless people, for I am your husband. I will choose you, one from a town and two from a clan, and bring you to Zion. I have uh, Hosea 2 here. Uh, I'm gonna, I, I'll read verse 2 and then 5 to 7, and maybe you'll get an idea. So Hosea 2, verse 2. Rebuke your mother, rebuke her, for she is not my wife, and I am not her husband. Let her remove the adulterous look from her face and the unfaithfulness from between her breasts. Verse 5, their mother has been unfaithful. So, she, so this is God talking about Israel, how, he's, how uh, they've been unfaithful to her. Their mother has been unfaithful and has conceived them in disgrace. She said, I will go after my lovers who give me my food and my water, my wool and my linen, my olive oil and my drink. Therefore, I will block her path with thorn bushes. I will wall her in so that she cannot find her way. She will chase after her lovers, but not catch them. She will look for them, but not find them. And then Dave from Second Corinthians 11, go 1 and 2. Say it uh, animated too. You'll get it. <laughs> I hope you will put up. Sorry, I'll start that again. I hope you will put up with a little of my foolishness, but you are already doing that. I am jealous for you with a godly jealousy. I promised you to one husband to Christ so that I might present you as a pure virgin to him. That, awesome. Like the New Testament even draws out that further. Like, Paul, like you're trying to prepare someone for the groom as a virgin that has yeah. weird things. So question, audience, poll, you just put up your hands. Who among you is fully comfortable with all that language we just talked about? That you're like, oh yeah. Mm. Two, <laughs> possibly three. <laughs> Who is like, eh, okay, you know, you read a Bible verse, all right, eh. Who's eh? And who's like, mm-mm. Okay, you can say that. Joey, <laughs> 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 she didn't ever end up. <laughs> no, that's good because. So why are we uncomfortable with it? I I think one is probably being a boy. That seems weird. Jesus, a man. That seems weird. That's one just practical one. But that's kind of for men. I think that for well, men that's the reason. Well, maybe like those were nuns. The quotes we had. I mean, there are quotes from men, but. Nuns seemed more okay with that language. Yeah, I was a little more okay with the Bible passages than what the nuns said. That was a little bit. Or in the secret? Or, or in the secret. <laughs> okay, uh, why else? Yeah, that's the only, like what you said, my culture has shaped me to think that husband is male, a bride wife is female. I think the other thing is it feels like sex is supposed to be far away from God. Mm. That God is that, and that's holy and good, and... 
sex is dirty and gross and bad and don't put those two in the same sentence because that's weird, right? And I think like, so when Rob Bell writes a book called Sex God, he's doing that to bother you. Like he is. He's doing that for you to go, those two words are not allowed next to each other. That's the reaction. And that's what he's challenging you on. Why are those words so antithetical to each other in your mind? And then I think the third reason is just my relationship with God doesn't s look that way a lot of the time. That doesn't describe how I am with God. I don't have that intimacy. So I think there's a little bit of uncomfortableness with just personally. Yeah. But uh, why does God use it then? Okay, I got a list of points. <laughs> gonna, oh, really? I'm going to go all academic on. No, I'm just going to rattle through these. You guys yay or nay them. Yep. Kay. Seriously, like throw tomatoes or not. Um, actually. I think the Bible uses this because it portrays the intensity of God's love for us. Uh, yay. Like a, wow. yeah. a groom and a bride-to-be. Like that's the closest thing on earth to what he's talking they about. They are like head over heels, mm. passionate. Yeah. Um, and in the same way, shows that we should have that level back to God. Okay. Uh, portrays that God is to be number one because we are to put our spouses above everyone else. Um, portrays the severity of unfaithfulness. Um, not committing adultery was one of the Ten Commandments. It was one of the biggest sins, punishable by death in the Old Testament. And even today, like, that is one of the worst sins for people who even aren't Christians, that to break that is a violation in some massive way. Yeah, yeah, yeah that was my next one. That uh, It portrays what is right, what was intended to be, right? Because... Uh, Cheating on your spouse or divorcing them is not what God had originally intended for mankind. Yep. So, yeah. You got it? Yeah. Okay, I'm going to add one. I think, you know, there's a – I don't know where it is. I'm sorry, guys. Uh, is where Paul says, then I will know fully just as I am fully known. And it's that idea of being fully known. And that's in marriage, right? Mm -hmm. This idea that there's no vulnerability. There's all my vulnerabilities are out there, and you know them all and yet you still love me, and how terrifying that is, and yet beautiful, and I think that's that intimacy God's talking about, that I know everything, all the parts, the warts you don't want me to see, I know them, and you're fully known, and so I think that's why he is. Fully known and using marriage because it's commitment within knowing as well. That's what faithfulness means, is revealing more and knowing more, but saying, I'm sticking with this. I'm yeah. sticking with love for you. Yeah, so there's obviously other analogies for God and his people, right? There's judge and, and servants. There's, mm. um, you know, f father and children. There's mother. God describes himself as a mother at one point with her children. Um, so there's lots of analogies, and lover is just one of them. But I guess I want to ask, should we, when we read those modern worship songs, and the hymns aren't really like that as much, like that's kind of recent. Like we're starting to get more into like romantic language. Yeah. You know, like uh, heaven meets earth, like a sloppy wet kiss, and my heart turns violently inside of my chest, and it's like, whoo, <laughs> David Crowder, whoever that is. <laughs> um, so we're using it maybe more. Is that a good thing? Do you think we should be, mm. like, increasing it? That, like, we should be more and more comfortable with a Teresa of Avila or a Claire of Assisi level? Or do you think 
maybe we should tone back on it. Yes, it's part of the Bible, but let's have less of it. So let's go first to why we think maybe we should tone back on that. My, my big reason is I'm going to read a quote from a guy named A.W. Tozer. Not brethren, but close. Okay, here we go. The period in which we live now may well go down in history as the erotic age. He's talking like the late 50s, um, early 60s, so our time still. Sexual love has been elevated into a cult. Eros, so romantic love, has more worshipers among civilized men today than any other god. For millions, the erotic has completely displaced the spiritual. His argument is that we have turned romance, we have turned this idea of having someone to complete you and perfect you, that that is our God. And so I think that it has, we should limit, we should reduce this language because we're going to be bad at blurring the lines. Okay, okay, but I'm going to challenge you. Hmm. I think there's lots of secular musicians specifically who actually, they, through sex, start to understand a little bit of God. Like, that, that actually brings out their spirituality. You know, like, uh, Hosier? Hosier? Oh, right. Right? Take Me to Church. Right. You know, to, you guys heard the Take Me to Church song. That's a, that's a bedroom song. But it's using that language. And there's lots of examples where it's like, they are talking about sex, but they can't help but go to the spiritual because they're like, there is something more about this. Right. That like when I am this, it's not just a physical act. It feels like there's something else. So it's actually like a root to that spiritual thing. So I just back at you like, yeah. is that not something we should be using? Like the, the passion you throw into your boyfriend or girlfriend is pointing to something. And so we actually use that. Or do you think I'm wrong? I think that it's dangerous to do that because we, we – we're trying to tread through brokenness to get to God and you're going to just get wrecked and hurt and suffer like for the sake of getting to God. I don't know if that's how it works when God comes to you and meets you when you're in your brokenness. So like to use to go to be like, no, sex tells me about God. I'm going to keep having sex. I'm like, <laughs> all right. <laughs> ah, no, yeah, no, that's true. That's true. So maybe God can use it for some people, but maybe we shouldn't encourage that. Absolutely ourselves. No. That yeah, yeah, that's my it's. It's hard for me because music is one of the things that's very subjective, right? So for me personally, I would want to really reduce this metaphor in our worship songs. Um, one, because when I sing songs like that, it doesn't do a lot for me. I like the songs where we talk about how God has conquered the grave or his yeah. grace is greater than my sin. Like all about um, warrior Jesus. Sure. Booyah. <laughs> uh, and... For, for uh, my bass voice from a fetus. For my note. big, for my big uh, Bible proof. So I blasted through all 150 Psalms this week, and not a single one, not a single one uses romantic imagery for God. They use God Whoa. as. That's a yeah. double mic drop there. Too. No, 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 no. Yeah. Because if the rest of the Bible does, it's not like well the Psalms don't. Oh, but those. We're I'm good. just saying, like, I don't want to throw out this metaphor when we think of God. I'm just, this is, we, we don't use it in our don't, singing. Don't destroy my proof text. <laughs> no, but yeah, I think that when it is, when it comes to our worship and you said it, but you did say don't that. Don't we create songs based on Bible passages? Is that not the idea? Sure. Those modern worship songs sometimes are loosely based on Bible passage and they take ideas, but they're not like, oh, you're such a whiner about modern worship. <laughs> That's don't a great argument. <laughs> 
a critic. <laughs> All right. Well, okay, I'll say this. If you're somebody who, from our culture, thinks that falling in love is what's most important, and it's about the emotion of it, and when the emotions go away, then I must not be in love, and I divorce, which is a thing. That's common, or with people that you're just cohabitating with. Mm -hmm. If that's your idea of love, I would not want that to be your idea of God. Because then it would be like, wow, God is really fulfilling me, and I feel so powerful, and God, Jesus! And you're like, yeah, I'm going to worship every Sunday, until he's not. Until that emotion goes away, and then you're like, I must not be in love with God. It must not have been real. It must not. If that's your view of love, then it's like, okay, maybe I can stay away from that. But, I mean, for me, I think I understand a little bit more of love. That's like, you know, almost four years into marriage, you're past the fuzzies at that point. And it's like, oh, wait, this is a commitment, and it's beautiful and intimate because it's committed as well as romantic. So when I think of love that way, I'm like, that works with my relationship with God. It's great when there's emotion, but when there's not, it's still that intimacy of you know everything about me, even if we're not talking right now, mm. right? So I guess mm. if you have that idea of love, that's not such a good thing. Okay, now we switch to the part. I, I'm biased. You guys could probably tell. I think we should have way more of this. So let's get into my favorite part, why we should have more of it in our worship songs and in our prayers and in our devotional life. Do you guys have any points? You give your like, reason. Nope. We want to see what you think. Woo! Here we go. You guys are ready? In secret. Okay. No. <laughs> um, first, our theology of singleness sucks. We have the worst theology of singleness in the world. The Catholics trump us by a mile because they've had nuns and monks and priests, and they've had to deal with this. Our theology of singleness is an inch deep. It is, you're 16, just... Just be happy with God until you're 19 and then get married. Right? Like, exhibit A, exhibit B. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> we made a pact when we were young that we'd both be engaged by 19. And I got engaged at 20. When did you get engaged? 21? Yes! <laughs> woo woo! <laughs> but that is our 21. theology, right? When you're single, <laughs> the thing you'll get is... You just got to be happy without other people. Just be happy with God. And then it's always a married person telling you that. <laughs> Who got married at 19. And you're like, you are the worst. We have such a bad theology of singleness. We just, you know, Paul says it's better to be single. And we're like, yeah, Paul, totally, yeah. For those who don't find us, foes. But that's all we think, right? That is our theology, straight up. And do not deny it because that is all you've ever received from the church. Maybe some of you guys have great pastors. Mm. Most of us, that's what we got. So I would say romantic image. The idea of intimacy is when the Catholic Church had nuns and monks and things like that. Some of that romantic and sexual imagery got blurred into their relationship with God. And somehow that intimacy sustained them. So there's something about if I actually increase my intimacy with God, my he fully knows me, my lover of my soul, I actually won't run after other people. I can actually be complete in that relationship. And I know I'm a married person saying that, so it's kind of like, wah, wah. <laughs> and, and I mean, I don't know if I was completely complete without God before mm -hmm. I got married. 
because I got married young and maybe it was not for pure motivations in that way where I was like, I'm 100% set without a spouse. I don't know if I was there. I mean, Dave, Dave knew how much I flirted in high school. <laughs> oh, Bethel, <laughs> Bethel. <laughs> Let's just all reminisce on our camp crushes at Bethel. Mm. Mm. Yes. All right, we're back. Sports. <laughs> We've lost Jackson. He's still gone. <laughs> but I would say to combat our crappy theology of singleness, I think we need to think through this. I think if you guys are single and you feel like you do need a spouse, I think you need to explore the romantic imagery of God more. I don't know what conclusion you'll come to, but I think you need to dive into those passages and ask some big questions. First one, you guys with me? That's pretty good, right? Yeah, uh, just, uh, I, yeah. Yes. Yeah. I'd have a little bit of pushback. <sighs> you're the worst. Okay, you're, quick. You're you got okay. 10 seconds. No, I, it was mostly just about some of the Catholic theology. on. Oh, yeah. I mean, to be fair, the reason they didn't interpret Song of Solomon as between a wife and a husband is because they thought sex was icky. And so they said, no, that must be about Jesus and the church, right? So I'd say, like, nuns and monks who hated sex also kind of blurred that into their relationship with God. So it's both ends. I agree. Catholics are not perfect with their... And also, like, forbidding marriage. Hey, now. They they never forbade marriage. What's your next point? Okay. This one's even better. You ready for that? You couldn't believe it. (laughs) I guess. Um, We, well, and it's biblical. That's my second point. (laughs) Oh, mic drop. It's biblical. Okay, third point, why we should increase it. Are you going to explain the second point? (laughs) It's in the Bible. Okay, done. Okay, Okay. uh, no, I want to push back slightly. Nope. This imagery is not overused. Third point. (laughs) (laughs) We obey... And worship, not what we believe, but what we love. That is, a, that is a thing we mostly get confused. That we think, if I am able to answer the questionnaire, questionnaire, you know, virgin birth, agree, disagree, agree. Good. Got that. Doctrine, check. Next one, check. Next one, check. That my mind will lead me into love of God. That's not true for most of us. We will obey and worship what we love, not what we believe. You can believe whatever you want about Jesus as your Savior, but if you are more enthralled by a boyfriend or a girlfriend, if you're more enthralled by entertainment, by movies, by a TV show, by whatever, if you're more enthralled by something else, it does not matter what you believe. You will follow that thing. And that's... Right, that's the idea Jeremiah has, where it's you're running after your lover gods, and you just so want to be fulfilled through them. And the only way to counter that is not to slap yourself on the wrist and say, I shouldn't be in love with them. Bad, Mm. bad Dave. Sorry, I wasn't going to use mine, but I didn't want (laughs) to. No, the, the solution is I am going to increase my love for something else so that when I look at Jesus, everything else looks like garbage. Right? And so that would be, I think maybe we need to increase the love and just not the belief in God because that is the way we're going to conquer some of the things. That it doesn't matter what I believe, sometimes, honestly, school just enthralls me more. I get more, I get good grades and it feels good. And people respect my voice and professors like me. And I get so much affirmation and love that the answer is not, oh, just. Just do bad on papers intentionally. Stop loving school. The answer is, I got to worship this out. 
I got to get to a place where I can really sing Jesus of lover of my soul. Jesus, I will never let you go. And that is what will solve my, my desire for other gods, for other things to worship. So I think crank it to 11 on the romantic sexual imagery. Some of us are going to be a little uncomfortable with it. Some of us need to learn that sex is not a dirty, bad thing. So that's where I'm at. This a little bit of push. That like the romantic sexual imagery isn't the only thing we need to push in order to change our love for God. No, it is. <laughs> Come like, on, there, Jack. There I'm is. not saying that. I know, but like the way that you want to crank it up, I get to, to Well, we the can crank up the back. other things too. Well, I don't know. That's we have a lot of valves, I guess. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You, so I understand your pushback in order to balance it back out to shape our love, to actually desire God, to, yeah, to make our, to, to not, for not it to not be a, once we're in love with God, then serving the poor won't be a chore. When we're loving God with God, like coming to church and encouraging one another, just like, this is my vision of how people flourish. Sorry to interrupt those who've listened this long. Um, we went to uh, Q&A after this. It was really good, but it did go on for a while. I hope you enjoyed that. We'll finish it off and be done. Thank you so much, guys. That was really fun. Uh, I have nothing else. I'm Tanner Hoffs. I'm David Short. I'm Jackson O'Brien. And we will see you next time. Boom. Done. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, everyone.